Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. This episode of Pretty Much Pop is sponsored by Factor Meals. Get 50% off your first ready-to-eat meal box at factormeals.com slash pretty50 using code pretty50 at checkout. Hey, this is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, always winning the moral victory, if not the actual victory. Today, we're discussing the Rocky and Creed series of films up to the latest, the Michael B. Jordan-directed Creed 3. I'm Mark Lintzenmeyer, and no one's going to take my robot away via a director's cut. Well, that's a deep cut. Al, introduce yourself. It was going to be something about the robot, but this is, but this is my oh, back. sorry. In the blue corner, weighing in at around 195 pounds, I think. I'm Al. <laughs> Clever. I'm Sarah Lynn Bruck, and I pity the fool who doesn't appreciate a good underdog story. My name is Lawrence Ware, and I like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> what about Creed? Hot take. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I like Rocky. I like the original Rocky far better than I like the sequels. Mm. That's very reasonable. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. Let's sort of go around, give some priors. I had pretty much avoided these films because I don't like boxing. I realized when I saw it that I had seen Rocky four before the Russian one. So mm-hmm. I had seen that one before with the robot, but I had only seen little bits of things before. In fact, the one solid memory that I had was of Rocky like rolling around on a lawn or something yelling, Adrian, Adrian, like he'd been kicked out of the house. And that does not occur in any of the films. So that was my one childhood memory that turned out to be a false, a dream. Perhaps it was a parody by somebody. I don't know. But anyway. That is so strange. But yeah, I watched, watched all of them through for this and really enjoyed the experience. Like, I think they're pretty consistent overall. They're not like most of these. This is my hot take that I feel like they are not like most of these franchises where... It just goes down, 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 down. And then the first one, yeah, of course, the first one or two are better. But even with four and five that people complain about, they were still like thinking of new things to do. The fact that five does not end in the boxing ring. Like, yes, there were flaws with that film, which we can talk about. But overall, I feel like his hand was on the rudder, Stallone's hand, and was not going to let them suck in the way that the Halloween films that we talked about where they were just controlled by the producer and there's just the original creative lights had long since fled. I really do not like how you're characterizing those Halloween movies. Like, like <laughs> this is a continual thing that you can, you keep doing since we did that pod. You keep talking bad about the Halloween films and it's really disconcerting to me. It makes me very upset. But go ahead, Al. <laughs> Interesting what you said, Mark, about, like, as I agree with you, I think they're really consistently, at least entertaining, if not always good movies. But you said the thing that you thought was responsible for that is Sylvester Stallone being deeply invested in the series and always having his hand on that other, which he clearly is. But I just this afternoon watched Rocky Four, and you mentioned the robot at the top. And my memory of the first five minutes of Rocky Four is seeing, oh, this one was written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. And then two <laughs> minutes later, robot. And there is, And the robot gets so much screen time. And you can't tell me that the robot wasn't a real 
like item of passion for Sylvester Stallone. And to hear now that there is a director's cut, which I'm assuming was also made by Sylvester Stallone, where he distances himself from the robot. I do not buy that at all. He loved that robot when he was making that film. What I heard about the robot is that it had something to do with his child who had autism or something like that, that it was some attempt to... But yeah, it was certainly... There are lots of things in that film that are kind of trendy 80s. And so, yes, this director's cut, which I started watching the original. I found out there was a director's cut. I jumped over, rented the director's cut, watched that instead, and then went back to the original and fast-forwarded it through just to see what the scenes... Like, was there anything I was missing? And yeah, it does seem like the things that were removed were like, let me repeat to you, Adrian, what I said in the last couple of movies. I'm just reaffirming it now. Like that stuff was removed and all the cheese with his robot and his child watching at home all removed because the robot was there in the background. But like, yeah, I remember distinctly as a child of like his child watching from the US with his friends and pointing it out to his friend. Hey, that's my dad. As if... There wasn't such a premise of like inviting your friends over to watch your dad. And, and then the friend reminds, I know, what do you think I am? A nerd or something <laughs> like, okay, so best removed. But anyway, there's a lot of deep lore happening here about things that I have never heard of in my entire life. I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah, it might be a generational thing. I mean, I saw Rocky three in the theater. Like I saw it when it came out. Because we were obsessed with, I loved Mr. T. And he was like, when I rewatched Rocky Three, he is like surprisingly mean and brutal in that movie. And I was like, oh, this is not the Mr. T, the cuddly Mr. T that I remember from the 1980s, from like the A-team and stuff. He was actually, I thought he was pretty good in Rocky Three, But I saw it in, in the theater with my friends. We were obsessed over the Eye of the Tiger song. But since I've moved to Philly, his presence here is everywhere. And I live right near the art museum. And I use those steps as a workout. I run past that statue just about every day. And there is always a line of people going to take their picture with (laughs) Rocky. And then they have to go run up those Rocky steps and put their hands in the air and do the whole bit. And it's just, it's so funny. It's almost as if they think they're the first people who have decided to do that or something, but it happens every single day. But actually, and since we moved here, my daughter has grown up here and we all watched well before we knew that we were doing this podcast. She had never seen the original Rocky. So we watched it with a group of friends here in my neighborhood. And it was really fun to see the Generation Z get their take on Rocky. And they actually thought it was, you know, like, Kids and her friends thought it was a good movie. They enjoyed it. Yes, the first Rocky is a very good movie. The rest of the Rockies are kind of bad movies. Okay, so one, I didn't realize that you lived in Philly, Sarah. Very interesting. So therefore, you have a very unique, you have insight to this that we don't oftentimes have. So for example, so the first Rocky, well, the, the Rocky movies, they take place in Philly. He's a big kind of Philly guy, but also that first Creed film takes place in Philly. And like the black Philly culture is a significant part of that yeah. film. Um, and so that's very interesting. Anyway, so I love Rocky. I love the first Rocky film. I like athletic films as much as the next person. But that first Rocky film, it's much more of a character study. And that's really what I was drawn to. And then the later Rocky films kind of move away from being that character study to kind of being a hardcore kind of combat film, sports film, even though there's like silly moments of like, 
I'm trying, Adrian. I'm trying. You know, like there's there's scenes where he's trying to kind of channel that, but doesn't have the same kind of conviction as he did in the original film. So I really love that first Rocky film. Now the Creed films, I love all of those because those films to me harken back to that original one and really become a character drama and an examination of what a character is like being the illegitimate child of a champion. How does he kind of deal with that? And so those films I really love, but you know, the Rocky films are fine. If I had to pick, I love Rocky four the most because he like climbs a mountain (laughs) and then he like works out in like the Siberian wilderness. Like that's cool. I really like that stuff. And I'm a sucker for a montage. I mean, who doesn't like montages? I mean, everybody likes montages and the Rocky and Creed films give us montages in spades. So, I'm a sucker for that. But as far as a film that I really love, it's absolutely the first Rocky film. People love those films across the world. So those films are doing something, even though they may not be my cup of tea, at least at least two through 13, wherever many Rocky films there are. But that first Rocky film is really, 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 really good. I want to push back on two, but I want to hear Al's. I was going to make probably the same point, which is that it seems to me like Rocky II is broadly in the same vein as the first Rocky movie in terms of being mostly driven by character rather than spectacle. And Scorsese-esque. Like, that was the feel that I got. Yeah, like, yeah there's definitely Paulie a is like a Scorsese, a Scorsese character. He really yes. is. He yeah, really I is. guess yeah, I can see is. that. That first film is really fascinating, especially if you go in. So I've seen it once a, lot, a, a long time ago and then watched it for the second time quite recently. And still, I remember watching it the first time and thinking like, this is the movie that all of those memes that I know, like I recognize the memes here, but this is not the movie that I thought it was going to be. There's hardly any boxing in it, for one thing. It's like so much of it is, it's like uh, like American graffiti with a fight at the end. It's just a, a really stern, gritty meditation on basically Sylvester Stallone's masculinity. And it seems like an incredibly personal character portrayal. Yeah, and it's just deeply moving and also kind of weird. There's so many interesting choices in it, like he, the, the way he chooses to make himself so stupid and so sensitive. And there's just so much charisma coming from the guy. And he is beautiful. Him and Carl Weathers both in that. Oh my god! Especially, I know, just incredible looking guys. I mean, I'm I'm hopping about a bit here, but but also have not been able. The last few days I've been spending binging these movies. Have not been able to get over the way that Carl Weathers dresses as Apollo Creed. He is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) It is though the first Rocky is an independent movie. It's a small movie. It was made, I think, for like a million bucks or something. It was on a. It was a tiny budget. They filmed on location. And I don't think they had permits. I mean, they kind of went rogue. They definitely made this movie on a shoestring. What I love about the first film that I think kind of gets lost is that idea that losing isn't failure. You know what I mean? That you can lose in the ring, but you're not a loser. And I felt like we were finally able to kind of get back to that. Actually, with the Rocky Balboa, the 2006 movie, I feel like we kind of got back to that original idea. And then I think Creed takes that idea one step further. But I feel like from Rocky 2 and then Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 and Rocky 5, like he became like a cartoon character. All of them were cartoon characters. 
But with the first Rocky, that message of, you know, as long as you give it your best, you are a winner, no matter what the outcome is. Okay, so I have a question. So I'm not a Rockyologist, so help me out here. Rocky 1, 2, 3, and 4, those happened. Rocky Balboa didn't happen. And then Creed picks up after Rocky 4. Am I right on that? What? No, no, no. They abandoned stuff like him. him, uh, I I guess I didn't know about any of this stuff because it introduces the actor as his son who comes Mm -hmm. back in Creed Okay, so Rocky Five introduces his son, but wait, wait. The film Rocky Balboa, he has like a mental issue or something like that. Yeah, that's brushed away. He gets over it. His his brain heals back up. Drago, like, yeah, pummels him, and he's not supposed to fight anymore. But You're shitting me, right? No, seriously. I thought that Creed washed away the Rocky Balboa film. I thought the Rocky Balboa film was not supposed to have happened. There's nothing in it that conflicts. I get the feeling they just don't take it that seriously, which is probably exactly the right attitude. He has still has the okay. restaurant. There's things that they set up in the Rocky Balboa film that are still there. It's just he doesn't have his girlfriend because you have to have Rocky down every single time. He has to be back living by himself. It seemed like at the end of the Rocky Balboa 2006 thing, he's in his 50s or whatever. Well, I, I don't know. They don't re- reference his... He's 60, which makes it completely implausible that he's going to go But they the say that he's in his 50s. This was confusing to me. That Yeah, the, yeah, the time frame doesn't actually make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's still implausible. That's the reason why I thought the Rocky Balboa, like I thought the Creed films were washing away the Rocky Balboa film because the Rocky Balboa film, he's got like mental issues and he's like on a downward spiral. Like I didn't think that that Rocky and Creed would be able to be that Rocky if what had happened in the Rocky Balboa films had happened. That was just my impression. So one of the things that I hated most about Rocky Four in particular and probably my least favorite thing about all of the Rocky movies was the way that they killed Apollo Creed. Because as I've just said, I've developed a huge crush on Apollo Creed over the last few days, and I wanted him to be treated better than that. And it was interesting to me that in Creed, they took that real low point of the franchise, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, just Apollo Creed developing a serious case of the stupids and deciding to go and like fight an indestructible Soviet tank boxer and getting murdered in the ring in the most stupid way I've ever seen him. Like, literally, he gets laid out and then smash cut funeral. That's how we know Apollo Creed's dead. And then they take that as the, and use that as the emotional crux of all three of the Creed movies. And I thought that was a weird choice. I mean, it, it absolutely pays off, but it is interesting to me how the worst part of the old Rocky films becomes the emotional foundation of the Creed movies. I just chalk that up to, we have to find a new way for Rocky to be the underdog every single movie. That he has to, oh, now he has brain damage. Oh, now he has uh, become soft because he's so rich. Things have to happen. His wife is dead. I looked up, like, usually when a major actor doesn't come back, that his wife doesn't come back for the 2006 movie, it's because the actress is unavailable. And she was totally available and willing to do it. And he had a conversation with her saying, you know, I think he should be widowed to make the character have somewhere that he has to rise up from. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's all very calculated. That's kind of cold. I don't know why. I did not read anything why Creed's mom had to be Claire Huxtable as opposed to the woman that it was in the actual oh, I original know movies. Why. Because she oh. died in 2011. Oh, oh, really? The original actress. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That tracks. Death is absolutely a good reason. You're- <laughs> it is weird to me in the Creed movies that. Adonis has been adopted by Apollo's family 
Because what you kind of expect from a movie like that is, well, the way they set it up at least is here is a kid who's had to fight all his life, who's been in like the care system. And that's why like he is who he is. And that gives him like a big part of his issues. And he has like absent parents and all the rest of it. But then you intersperse it in the movie with, oh, but then he was adopted into an extremely rich family, was given a lot of opportunities, has a cushy desk job and chooses to give all that up in order to then pursue fighting. And that seems to me like a really weird choice because one of the foundational things in at least the first Rocky movie, and it seems like one of the things they're going for in the Creed movies, is the idea that boxing is the only option for these people, or at least it certainly is for Rocky. And it seems like it would have been cleaner to also give Adonis Creed no choice, where he clearly does have a choice. Does anyone have a different view on that? I was thinking about that too, because boxing typically is the only choice and they fight for money. That's why they fight. And Adonis doesn't need the money. He has a very demanding desk job. Like he was like in finance or something and he was promoted. You work your ass off. He was working his ass off. And so I actually don't know how he found the time to fight (laughs) and get in shape. Take the bus down to Tijuana (laughs) every weekend. Yeah, exactly. But I was wondering about that too, because it did seem like a bit of a stretch. It seemed like for him, it was a matter of connecting with the father that he never knew and what his legacy was. You know, actually, it is kind of touching the fact that Creed went out, Apollo Creed went out so terribly. And just the whole, his hubris beforehand was just kind of embarrassing. And James Brown gave a great performance beforehand. And it was all just a so... A great, really long performance. <laughs> well, yes. and can I say in the, in the director's <laughs> cut, it's worse because they were so excited to have... At least this was my impression. I didn't like watch them back to back, but I did watch... It seemed like in the original version, there was a lot of cutting back and forth between James Brown and other things. Whereas in this director's cut, they were just like, we had James Brown on, and they just show him uninterrupted <laughs> like for his for pretty much his whole song anyway well they, they they made the right decision to cut that up i will say that sarah Lynn, i think you're kind of underselling just how much like the first film goes into great depths to kind of examine what's going on with the psychology of Adonis. yeah he has his cushy desk job and so he's not doing it because he needs to do it but he needs to do it internally like he doesn't need to do it because he needs the money he needs to do it because he's fighting demons. Like he's trying to find himself. He's trying to find who he is. And I mean, me as a, as a son like him of a father that's, that wasn't around, like you feel compelled, you know, to do these kinds of things. So I think that that film does a really good job of kind of laying out the psychology of that character. And you're right. He doesn't need to do it for the same reason that Rocky needed to do it in the, in the first film. But right? he doesn't need to do it for money, but he needs to do it for himself. And though he was working that desk job, He never felt comfortable there. He was never happy with that job. He always felt compelled to go back to that fighting world. That's such a good point. And there's also that thread between Rocky and him kind of fighting against like his own background or his own family versus his ambition. And I think Creed, I think that Adonis is doing the same thing. Absolutely. That that actually really checks. I like, thank you, Lawrence. That's a, that's a good perspective. Oh, you're anytime, Sarah Lynn. I was just seeing it as we need to tweak the formula every time. Otherwise, oh, there's come no on, point. You're too cynical. You're too cynical. No, there are legitimate story reasons for why they did what they did. Well, yes, but it was <laughs> by comparison to, say, the Karate Kid movies, where by the third one, the reviews of the third one, it's like, oh, my God, can this guy not like advance in his life at all? He has to be basically back where he was psychologically, emotionally in Karate Kid 1 for this to make any sense. And like, 
So that's an example of trying to do the formula, but it ran out of steam. So Rocky, they figured out a way to do it again and again, and yet have it actually work. And I think that was by always coming up with new elements. And if you're going to make a comment about race, make a new comment about race, right? Clubber Lang in Rocky three is presented as like, I didn't have anything. I was coming up. I want my opportunity. Give me my opportunity. I demand my opportunity. Like that was sort of, if we wanted to that's make very nice, that's a very just, nice Mr. We're T. just doing the Mr. T voices. <laughs> very great. Great. I'm food. It does not do uh, a Mr. T impression on this podcast. I was just trying to get the flavor, but you know, so Creed could have been that kind of character that just, you know, he came up in the system and he was illegitimate, was never in touch with his, but that would have been a much less interesting character. Mr. T was all ambition. He was, he was so hungry, but there wasn't any heart. And that's what these characters, Creed has heart. Adonis has heart and actually Apollo has heart. And so that's what kind of separates the ones who are just hungry and ambitious from the characters that we're actually rooting for. And that's a parallel with Dame, the bad guy in Creed Damien. 3. All he wants is to win and be better than Adonis. And he gets to be the bad guy. It is more, it is more complicated than that. I'm trying to draw connections, Lawrence. Help me out here. I mean, but don't draw bullshit connections. Like, that was not a good connection. I mean, come on. Dame is not just... One of the things that makes him the villain of the piece is that he wants to win without caring how he wins. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking back, though. The huge emotional turning point in the film is when he wins his first big fight by cheating. Okay. And he lays lays Adonis out bare knuckle on the beach. Yeah. Sucker punches him. Does Creed himself in Creed 1 or Creed 2, is there a thing of him like registering that his opponent is weak in some part of his body and then hitting that part again and again? Or is that only bad guys do that? No, he did that in the first Creed, I, I think. Rocky does that in the first movie. He uh, yeah. So break, that's breaks, so okay. Yeah. I guess that's an okay thing to do when good guys that's do boxing. it. That's boxing. Yeah, that's boxing. That's, I mean, it's fine. Hey, folks, let's stop and talk about some sponsors. Many of us enjoy eating, but less so the cooking and the calorie counting that might be involved. Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, will bring delicious meals straight to your door. Fresh food that you just have to heat up. It takes two minutes. With Factor, you skip the grocery store, skip the chopping and prepping and cleaning up. Instead, you just get to enjoy one of the 34-plus chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options that fit a variety of lifestyles from keto to calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and protein-plus. Things like Romano and black pepper shrimp pasta, spicy sweet potatoes and peanut sauce, truffle butter filet mignon, you know, fancy stuff. Plus, there are more than 45 add-ons like breakfast items, beverage options. This is cheaper than takeout, ready faster than restaurant delivery, and they offset 100% of delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for the production sites, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Head to factormeals.com slash pretty50 and use code pretty50, that is pretty50, to get 50% off your first box. That's code pretty50 at factormeals.com slash pretty50 to get 50% off your first box. I also want to tell you about another podcast, the Straight to Video podcast. 
is based out of the UK, presented by Bass Playing Gun for Hire of the Bullet Boys, Grand Theft Auto, People on Vacation, Teenage Casket Company, Rob Lane. Each week he talks to musicians, actors, and creatives who are willing to wax lyrical about their childhood, pop culture, growing up, and what shaped them into what they are today. Get ready for stories of hometowns, trips to the video store, life-changing first concerts, and whose poster hung on their walls as a kid. Find the Straight to Video podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or is home at stvpod.com. The fact that Creed came out and centered a black character was interesting to me, and it kind of redeemed the franchise because I've always felt icky about Rocky. Because Rocky, in the first film, he's going up against a black guy, and like there's this tension between black boxers and white boxers and race like there's going all the way back to jack johnson there's like tension there and then in part two he beats the black guy and then in part three the now apollo helps him in part three but the bad guy is like he's a stereotype of a black guy i've always felt uncomfortable about rocky's relationship with race and rocky part four kind of gets away from that because those films are good they're good films I don't know if they know that they're playing these kind of these kind of hot topics, but they're on a live wire right there, and they're really close to kind of going off the edge. They don't go off the edge, but those films are real close with it. They really play with tough subject matter. I feel like they only managed to not go off the edge because they really don't address it head on at all in any of those three movies. But there is a really concerning Italian resentment thing going on through those first three movies. Yeah, they pull back on it and they don't examine it, and so it doesn't go off the rails. But it could have been an issue. Like those mm. films absolutely could have been an issue if they had kind of gone a half a step further with what they were examining. It's really, really, it was always something that bothered me. Especially too, because it's centered in Philadelphia, which I think the population is majority black here. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But also there's a very storied history of black boxers coming from this area too. And we don't see that. They just completely ignore it. Joe Lewis, uh, Frazier, I think, is from Joe Frazier. Is it Frazier? Yeah. yeah. Sarah Lynn pointed us at this other podcast called The Statue. It's an NPR podcast that is obsessed with, you know, not only why does this real statue, you know, such a point of center of tourism in Philadelphia of a fictional character, but like, well, what is our attitude towards monuments? This could be a whole episode for us in some future point about monuments in general and who we should be celebrating and the fact that there were these real black boxers like Joe Frazier, who actually does, you know, was an explicit influence for Rocky. In fact, they point out he was going to be in Rocky three, like playing Clubber Lang, but then he did some practice fighting with Stallone and hit too hard. And Stallone's like, I can't do this. We need just an actor who's not going to break my face for real to be in this. But yeah, so he, he certainly was aware of it and was trying to pay tribute to it. And so I think doing right by it, by focusing on Apollo Creed's, I got to tell you what I thought that these Creed movies were before seeing them. I thought it was, we're going to go back in time and tell the same story, but oh, from about, about Apollo, Apollo Creed, Creed Sr.'s oh, point of view. That, that would have been interesting. I had the same thought how cool that would have been as a oh, direction I would for the Creed watch movies. that in a second. That it's would not be too late. late. No. <laughs> Don't put that out there because this sounds like something that someone Ryan would pick Coogler, up. Come on. This sounds like something someone would throw on HBO Max and it would be terrible. Please don't throw this out in the ether. I'm uncomfortable with it because if you go back, then you have to address race. I don't trust the Rocky franchise to address race in a meaningful way. I don't want that. Just let me have my boxing. Sylvester Stallone has removed himself 
Right. He's removed himself from the conversation. For right now, I guarantee you he wants to come back and get some more of that money because Creed is making all kinds well, it, it made all kinds of money. Yes. He's trying to write a prequel for Rocky as a kid, which I don't think he would play Rocky in that. Wow. <laughs> is, Maybe. Wait, wait, he is really, he's seriously writing a film about Rocky. This was just, yeah. Some, one of you found this totalrocky.com. Yeah. And this was one of the most recent that, articles that on me. there. Yep. Yeah. Wowzers. Wowzers. And a Drago spinoff. Uh, yeah. A Drago spinoff that, you know, but not <laughs> Stallone doesn't even own the rights to Rocky. It's the Winkler, the it? original producer. Yeah. His original producer. And his kids now. So like, it just depends on who they get to do it. Like, I would think that just like they've got black people to write the Creed thing, then. You know, or the, I don't know what the story was like, whether this was Ryan Coogler's idea or he was approached or what, you know, I don't know the, the origin of that, but I would imagine if there's a Drago thing, actual Russians will be involved. Like, it's not just going to be, you know, whatever hack that they come up with, like in those Halloween movies. All if right. you don't stop, uh, I'm going to leave this podcast. I'm not going to be on this podcast. I'm, I'm going to start that. my own Each podcast of you to your corners, focused, please. focused on Halloween. I am so confused about what's going on with Jonathan Majors. Like, I don't know what the history... Because, sidebar, when this came out about Jonathan Majors having this issue with this woman, his girlfriend, I think she was, at first, people threw him under the bus. Then his lawyers came out and defended him. But other people in the industry were saying that Jonathan Majors was like an asshole and really hard to work with and a kind of abuse and all kinds of stuff. So I don't know where we stand with Jonathan Majors. That's beside the point. They're supposed to be coming out with a TV show about Dane. And so this is, again, something that I am really worried about. I am tired of them always going to IP that's successful, mining that IP, and then running it into the ground. We need new stories. I am sick and tired of them mining IP. Anyway, this show about Dane might be interesting. We'll see what happens with with Jonathan Majors, because if he gets jammed up, then that show is absolutely not happening. So we'll see. His performance, though, in Creed Three. I saw a quote, it might have been from the New York Times article, the review, called his character a walking wound. And I thought, oh my God, that is so accurate. I thought his performance, he was acting circles around everyone, including Michael B. Jordan. I thought he sort of outshined Michael B. Jordan in Creed Three. I've heard, you know, all of the rumors too about his personal life, but his performance was pretty amazing. In Creed 3, he made that movie. The thing is, is that Michael B. Jordan is like a movie star and Jonathan Majors is an actor, right? And Jonathan Majors, he's attractive or whatever, but he is an actor. Like, he is hardcore an actor. Michael B. Jordan, he's handsome, he's flashy, he's a movie star, he can headline the movie, but he doesn't have those kind of acting chops like Jonathan Majors. And so that's the reason why, and I think you're absolutely right, Jonathan Majors was all over that film and he was absolutely killing everybody in that film, even though I have some issues with the third part of that film that we can get into but yeah he's by far the best thing in that film is this going to be the last of the creed movies is that why are people casting around for the next weird rocky offshoot to do i bet they're going to do another creed i mean with as much money as this film made i would be shocked if it was the last creed film now what would be interesting because his daughter in the film she's a great character great idea she's interested in boxing So going the Layla Ali route with her would be really interesting. Well, and I also liked how the Creed movies, the women in these movies actually had agency. They actually had 
jobs. <laughs> you know, it was just, <laughs> it was such a refreshing change. From what is Adrian's Adrian. job outside of a, outside of a pet store? What does she do? She doesn't have to work. Yeah. I think that's the, she has to get hurt to motivate Rocky into doing things. That's her job. Can we like talking about things that, that are like slightly problematic about the first Rocky film? The way they get together was deeply uncomfortable. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was it really? That was such a weird relationship. What am I, what am I missing? What happened? When he like, they go on the date and he invites her back into his house and, and she's like, I'm going to leave. And he's like, no, you're not. And it's like, okay. I missed Not to that? mention all of Whoa. the previous harassment. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah. They retroactively, in, in some future movie, he's like, oh, I just wanted you to trust me. As if he realizes this was kind of creepy, but she was such an exceptional. He, he just could see into her soul. He could see she really did want to be with him and really, you know, was trying to just be as nice as possible, but it doesn't change the weird optics. Women everywhere are saying, yeah, thanks, but you're making <laughs> life real easy for us right now. Wow. It really works. It really works as a character. It's weird because it really works as a character moment because a whole part of what makes Rocky interesting as a character is that he is a guy who is scary and he doesn't like being a scary guy. Like He likes being a strong guy who can protect people, but he doesn't like that people are afraid of him. And that's really is an interesting scene because it's him trying to figure out how to show someone that he cares about them. But it's just uncomfortable. Since we're talking about Rocky and the actual films, can I talk about my issue with the third film? Yes, please. Yeah, I do. You guys cool with this? Okay. The beginning of the third film is great. Great filmmaking. Great eye by Michael B. Jordan. He's a really good director. I will say this real fast. I do like the anime bits that he throws into Creed 3 with the final fight and all the stuff that happens, like those little anime bits and, and the other fights, just you can tell that he loves, I believe he loves Naruto. I think that's what he loves. Um, but you can tell he loves anime. He brings that to the film. That's great. So the first two thirds of that film, all the way up to Jonathan Majors winning the fight, great the filmmaking. Fight. Yeah. Loved it. After that, the film really sped up. Like it completely sped up. And the final third of that film is a complete mess to me. I don't get the character motivations. I would have liked to have seen why Jonathan Majors made this real serious turn into being just an evil villain. I want to say there has to be a longer version of this movie somewhere. And they must have edited that film to make it fit within the time frame because that last third of that film really sped up and I really did not like it. Now, I liked the fighting, but I didn't like the filmmaking he goes from living on the streets to like living in a mansion, it looked like. And we didn't see any of that. Then he has a, a beautiful girlfriend. Like, where was she at? Like, all these things just happened, and we just supposed to just accept it. The film was way too too fast for me in the last third. I didn't realize you're talking logistically, how did he get in a mansion, but emotionally, that I felt like he was the villain the whole time. That, you know, you just no, he didn't he realize. Was very sympathetic at first. He was three-dimensional. He was charming, but he was had this grudge. And really the whole time thought that basically this whole thing was a, a revenge of, yeah, you know, he said, he's like, oh, you've been living my life, the life that I deserve this whole time. I was in jail because you ran away. No, I don't think he had that approach to the whole film. Resentment, not like revenge. I think that he was in prison and he felt as though there was life happening outside and he wanted to get in on it. But I don't think he was that villainous towards Michael B. Jordan. Like for the very first look 
That like, but how many times very, have very, you seen the film, Lawrence? You always see it three times. Have you I've only seen watched it like once? four times. Actually. Oh wow! So, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. There you go. There you go. So I'll take your word for it then. The very first look that Dan gives to Creed when he sees him outside, outside wherever he is, he just hate. He hates him. Yeah, yeah. Does he? I don't get that impression. Yeah. I got the impression that he was like, "Yo, man, like you don't know who I am. Like, what's up? Like, what?" But I didn't get the impression that he hated him. And when he said thank you, I felt he genuinely was thankful. Like, no, my issue with him is that he turned bad whenever he really wanted to win. He won in a bad way. Then he won. Then he got full of himself. That was my feeling. I didn't think that he was that way the entire film. Not like a straight up villain the entire film, but the things that made him villainous were there the entire film. And I think it was based in resentment. Okay. Yeah, I I just think it's a a well-developed character in a way that the Rocky Six. Is that right? Rocky Five villain was not mm-hmm. the, the Rocky Five villain. I'm, I think of him as Bo. Tommy Gun. Tommy Gun. Oh my God, that's right. I think of him as Bo because he reminds me of the guy that took Vinny Barbarino's place in Welcome Back, Cotter. We, we've established Ooh. that you don't get that reference. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what the hell you're talking when about. Travolta that's didn't want to do that show anymore. <laughs> they brought in a Southerner who was a less jacked version of this guy. Anyway. <laughs> but Damien spent 18 years behind bars. He spent 18 years in prison. So that's 18 lost years, which I totally understand. And Michael B. Jordan literally escaped that. He ran away. 18 years in prison, like for the guy who was his best friend, who then went on to become the heavyweight champion of the, or whatever weight class champion in the world. He yes. is. Like the resentment is completely I never called. You never call. I was in yeah. prison. I was waiting for your call. And <laughs> oh it was not like I was going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, but, but the thing is, so, so the guy was writing him letters. His mom never let him get the letters, which makes me think like, is she the real villain here? Is she the one? No, she's trying to protect him. No, he, I mean, he could have written to him, but also the guy was writing him letters. I get that she was trying to protect him. She's always interfering. She sent him the shorts in the first movie as well, and that was, like, way too... Given the emotional sensitivities of play, that was way too much of a big move. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, so, I'm beginning to think that, that she was <laughs> she was the villain of this series, honestly. Like, she's really always made questionable choices to me. Sarah Lynn doesn't like me again. Well, I disagree with you. I think she was not a villain <laughs> at all. She was a preventative force in... A lesser way, the way that Adrian was for Rocky, that there has to be somebody that's just like, you're going to get hurt. This is a stupid thing to do. And so she did that a little bit. But he was like already out of her influence and kind of could do whatever he wanted. But so the fact that she like came over and was cheering for him and was watching everything like that was just a sort of a nice, you know, which is the same thing Adrian does. Like Adrian is, you know, please don't do this anymore. You're getting brain damage. Please don't do this. You're too old. There's an entire human being who is in jail because of something that Creed did, right? And he's in jail. I mean, he didn't have the gun. The guy, other guy had brought in the but gun. But he was beating on the guy. He, so was, he, start, he started to fight. And so this, this guy is in jail because of this. And I absolutely understand why he's coming out. And he has a little bit of a chip on the shoulder because he's been writing to the guy and the guy never wrote back. I mean, those were many letters and the guy never wrote back. And he's in jail serving time for this dude. Is he a villain? I mean, yeah, he's villainous. Are we necessarily disagreeing? Are we not just describing like good character work? Exactly. Good villains in dramas are not actually villainous. They just are in conflict for understandable reasons. And that is why Thanos was right. (laughs) Thanos is not a villain. That's very disturbing to me. (laughs) We haven't haven't had an Avengers 
episode together. So was I the only one at the end of this movie? And I agree, Lawrence, that the ending is rushed. Like I was like, you know, when they're sitting at the end, you know, in the locker room and they're kind of forgiving each other and they both go their separate ways. I was just thinking, is it always the answer for these guys to settle their problems with violence? I thought you two need therapy. Like, please, both of you go get therapy. You have some deep seated trauma that you need to work out. And it's not by fighting each other, you know, but it seems like this is what the answer is for actually every single one of these movies. That's what the answer is, is violence instead of let's actually talk. He doesn't listen to his wife. Creed doesn't. He's not talking. He's settling it with violence. Alternate take, Sarah Lynn, is that violence in these movies is a metaphor for therapy in a lot of ways. Breaking news, Rocky is really about therapy. Please. Let's no, go, I want to hear Al. My favorite thing about the end of the first Rocky movie, and I've, I've watched just the, the last fight I watched a few times because it's amazing. When like they go the distance and there's a split decision, the result of the fight is in the audio mix is way in the background. You have to strain to hear what the actual result of the fight is. The thing that is important in the climax of the movie is that Rocky has achieved what he set out to do and that he loves his girlfriend and that they're going to be together again. And that's the same in, is it two or three when it ends with Apollo and Rocky having that amazing freeze frame That's three. Punch. That was three, yeah. That's three. But again, it's like the violence isn't the important thing. The important thing is that those guys, the violence represents those guys having found like the proper way to relate to one another. Boxing in all of these movies, or at least in the good, all of these movies, not true. Boxing in ones of these movies that are good is a metaphor for self-actualization, self-realization, whatever it is you're supposed to get out of therapy, a way of understanding yourself and why you want to do things. So it, they do go to therapy. I think the same thing's happening in Creed 3 as well. Was it too on the nose to have the visual flashbacks where they see themselves as children again? That, uh, it was fight. a little on the nose. It was a little on the nose. Was, I mean, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. But also, Sarah Lynn, I mean, I hear what you're saying. You're absolutely right. Therapy is probably the better option. But honestly, who wants to watch a movie about black guys going to therapy? No one wants to watch that movie. It's not a good movie. I do. We a saw post, it in Atlanta. A post credit scene where he goes in and his therapist <laughs> is Harrison Ford. It could be a carryover <laughs> from that new Apple TV show. <laughs> But I mean, it's just like, honestly, like you're right, Sarah Lynn, you're absolutely right. Therapy is what they need. And I hope that they get it once they heal. But <laughs> but to be honest, like you're making a film like, and you got to have something, you know, I understand. It's, exciting, it's but, not as interesting. But that would be a great opening for Creed 4 is actually have him for real in therapy like just Michael like B. Jordan, him, like for yes, real Michael him, B. Jordan in therapy. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like have Michael B. Jordan going to a therapist, not Creed going like, I don't know why I keep having to make these movies. Could, could you tell me? <laughs> As I've established here, I'm willing to forgive a lot if it's just introducing novelty. Like I knew this was going to be a long boxing scene. Like there was a part before the boxing scene where I was like, maybe actually they aren't going to resolve this with boxing. That would be so cool. If they, like in Rocky Five, did something that was not boxing in a ring to resolve this, and maybe not also a street fight like happened in that movie, but a different way. I'm remembering it now. Rocky Five is so over the top. Like, there's that Don King guy. He's yeah. terrible. And then, like, Rocky's <laughs> son comes up and says, Go for it, go for it, Dad. 
Like that movie is so terrible. I cannot believe that movie. Before we address this important thing about Creed 3, then let's let's detour into that because we haven't talked about Rocky and his son at all. And so right. this was a thing. The weirdest relationship. Oh the worst God. character in the franchise. He is so annoying in every film that he appears. Just as the kid. In Wasn't Rocky, his actual son? In no, Rocky no, no. 5, it was. I so thought in Rocky, so. I thought in Rocky so. 4, yeah. it was not. It was some other kid. But then his son died at age 36 and could not be in it for the subsequent ones. So you have the guy from This Is Us and Heroes and Gilmore Girls appearing as a young man in 19, in 2006. Milo's from me. Whatever they got. Really? Yes. That was yeah. him. Wow. That was him. Didn't realize that. And then he was in Creed 2. At the end of Creed 2, like it is, he has, I know you guys are not This Is Us watchers or I would have had you on that podcast, but he has that mustache that is like, I'm the dad from This Is Us. And I completely <laughs> felt like this was a weird merging of franchises that he shows up <laughs> directed in a scene that could be exactly out of that drama. Like it was very trippy to me. It's just so on the nose, his son in Rocky five being like, Oh, I'm so upset that you're treating this outsider as your real son, because I'm not so into boxing and I'm young and now I'm a badass kid. Like there's some just terrible character. Rocky work and five terrible is acting. so bad. Like there's a Don <laughs> King character that is really bad, really over the top. <laughs> and then the Tommy gun character, I think it was a real boxer or something like that. He's bad. Oh, was he really? Yeah, he's, he's not like a good a, actor. He was like a good, uh, he's like an athlete or something. He's either an athlete or a boxer. He was bad. Then the kid was bad. Like Rocky <laughs> five needs to be just deleted. It needs to be taken off. You should not be able to watch that film. That is by far the nadir of this entire film franchise. It is really bad. It is the Ant-Man quantum mania of Ooh. the Rocky franchise. The fact that it didn't end in the ring meant it was okay. But it was a terrible <laughs> fight. It was a street, and, and a like, street and like fight. A, a dude like did an uppercut and like ended up on the hood of a car. It was terrible. That that street was Street fight terrible. in Kensington. It was terrible. Al or Sarah Lynn, did you watch that movie that you have you I, care enough about? I didn't do I didn't do Rocky <laughs> Five. <laughs> yeah, that was the only one. I, I watched clips and I read the synopsis because I did actually want to know how Rocky lost his fortune. And apparently he loses his fortune in Rocky Five, right? At the beginning of it, yes. Yeah. He At did? What happened? What happened? I forgot about that. Was it Paulie's fault? I feel like yeah. it should have been Paulie's fault. It was. It was Paulie signed his power of attorney over to a shifty accountant who then stole the money. Because when I watched the, the 2006 version <laughs> and Adrian is gone, he's back in a shitty row home, you know, in South Philly somewhere. And I'm thinking, what happened to Mr. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. So, so wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So wait a minute. I didn't realize this. So this dude is a multimillionaire and Polly gives a power of attorney to a guy who stole his money and now he's broke as hell. That yeah. is terrible screenwriting. Who wrote this film? Rocky. Sylvester. <laughs> Rocky. No, it was Rocky. That it makes was Rocky. no yeah. sense. <laughs> you have to have some way for him to be an underdog every time. And we already had a film where he was an underdog because he had gotten soft from being too rich. We already did that in Rocky 3. And Rocky Four had some variation off that, and it was mostly because his friend was dead. Then in the 2006, it was because of his age. So Rocky Five, it had to be getting poor. Again. I'm sorry, you this know, makes no sense getting... to me because Rocky <laughs> single-handedly ended the Cold War when he got up after <laughs> right. that fight and he said, "Why can't we all get along?" And then you check the records. Not long after the Cold War ended, that movie ended the Cold War. Can I point out one more thing? I wonder if about David the... Hasselhoff gets annoyed about that about the director's cut. In the director's cut of that, 
the Russian leaders just leave like with their snoots up. Whereas in the theatrical version, they're like, you know what? I think I love him too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're no. in the Soviet Union and everyone <laughs> has gone from booing Rocky at the beginning to applauding and shouting for him. I mean, it is just the weirdest. That is such a weird Reagan era. Just I mean, awful. they might as well have started shouting USA. Like that is how well, over they the might top. have been, Lawrence. They that might is have been how over the top that is. And that dude and then, ends the Cold War. He he's single handedly. He's like, hey, if I can get along and you can get along, then we can get along. And they're like, you know what? That goddamn Rocky got a good point. We're good. <laughs> We're gonna stop fighting. Lay down All right. our arms. Back to Creed three for a minute, though. Yeah, what did you guys think about this whole let's have the ending have all this surrealist stuff and we can, you know, make some of this long boxing match. And this is a bit of a spoiler, but like it's a visual thing. Obviously, if you go see it, we're not describing it in enough detail that it will ruin it for you. But the fact that we don't have to shoot the whole boxing thing with the crowd there, it's really just about you and me. And now there's a, a giant CGI jail cell behind you or this other stuff. I don't know how I feel about that. I will say it's a big swing on Michael B. Jordan's part, but I will say this. We have seen so many boxing matches before. You got to do something different. And this was him trying to do something different because we've seen Cinderella Man. We've seen Warrior MMA stuff. We've seen all the Rocky films, all of them essentially in the same way. So Michael B. Jordan is like, how can I do something different? Right now, it didn't completely work for me. I don't love all of it. It's not my cup of tea. You know, maybe someone loves it. I don't know. But I do respect that he tried. He's trying to find a way to tell this story that has been told over and over again in a new and different way. I appreciated it. I liked it. I found myself really responding more to the old, the fight scenes in the older movies than I did to the Creed movies. But I don't think that has to do with any of the more like creative visual effects that, that we find in the Creed movies. I think that's just modern fight choreography and the number of like especially the number of cuts that you get in like a fight scene. the best fight scene for my money in any of the creed movies is that one in the first film which i think is just one long take and it's really really gorgeous that's it's not even the climax fight it's the the one that happens in the middle that's ryan coogler that's that ryan coogler direction mm. it's really good no i thought that last fight scene i think i'm kind of with you lawrence i appreciated it more than i was entertained by it I thought that the first fight with Damien was actually more exciting, but these are movies where at the end of the movies, I want to feel like I'm going to stand up and cheer and like, I just want to cheer at the end. And I didn't feel that. However, I was sitting in front of a group of women who were completely into it and talking the entire time through this fight, you know, you get them, you punch him in the face. You got to, I mean, it was just That's because that, they found Michael B. B. Jordan sexy. That's the reason why they were like it's, that. It might, it might be. Yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing like going to see a movie at, in West Philly, but it was, but that, <laughs> that actually added to my enjoyment of that fight scene more than the actual direction of it. And I really did. I really did appreciate that he was trying to do something different with it. And I thought it was pretty, but there's something about it that just didn't have the same kind of spark and energy that the others did. I'm sure Michael B. Jordan is happy to hear that you thought it was pretty. That's what he's going for. <laughs> you know, you're, make, you're making me wish if, <laughs> if I'm going to have to go to the theater for some of these episodes that I really should do it on like busy nights 
as opposed to when I went, which was like a basically empty theater and it's all stadium seating. You can't see other people. I saw it in IMAX. It was absolutely full. And that place was rocking, man. They loved that. Film. That's so cool. I, I do think it, it is something to watching this film in a crowded theater and watching people respond to it. Like that, that's a wonderful experience. It really, really is. Not that bootleg theater you go to, Mark. <laughs> we haven't talked about the training montages yet. Any favorite moments? Any favorite montages? Right, the Rocky Three training montage is an absolute masterpiece of the genre. It is Incredible. good, but the reason why I love the Rocky Three training montage is because these men are out there in these super duper mini shorts with really long socks. <laughs> I'm here for and then they end by like embracing in the water. It is so homoerotic. <laughs> that is very over the top. <laughs> the car weather's crop top happening as yeah, well. Oh yeah. Just oh mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Al, for bringing the British perspective into the podcast. <laughs> but there's also the first two Rocky training montages were all over, filmed all over Philly. And it's funny because if you live here, you know that the route that he takes, it's not something that you can actually draw on a map. And even if you did, if you somebody did, I think, actually figure out that he would have run like 60 miles or something that day. <laughs> um, and, and it was just impossible. But I love that shot at the end of the training montage for Rocky II, where he's just gathering children behind him as he goes, you know? They're like they cheering just... at the end. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> See? And then they reference that in Creed with the kids on the quad bikes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, on the motorbikes. But that proves that kids do like running. <laughs> to be honest, the best part of any of these movies, like, how can I make this better? So let's run in crop tops and really high socks in Rocky 3. And then <laughs> let's climb a mountain in Rocky 4. The apex of it so far is Michael B. Jordan pulling an airplane for no damn reason. <laughs> oh, my like, God. There is no <laughs> reason was, yeah. for him to pull that airplane in, in Creed 3. Like, I no. don't know what they're going to do next. I have no idea what they can do next. There's no even like lead up to that. He's just all of a sudden pulling a plane. <laughs> Creed 4 and Jackass 5 will be the same movie. <laughs> be pulling more large things with more painful parts of his body to, to strengthen every part of himself. That was absolute silly to me. I had no idea why. They just wanted to do something. With that you can't scene. have Rocky and Creed without some silly. There's got to be some silly in there. Yeah. And honestly, like, Al is right. That training montage in part three, I still cannot get over those Hoochie Daddy shorts. They were wearing those shorts <laughs> were so incredibly short. And why is Carl Weathers wearing a crop top? I don't know. These are questions they need answered. Why not? I don't understand. Because he looks fantastic. He does. He looks great. He looks and that's why he insists on wearing those shorts in his current role in The Mandalorian. <laughs> Just to bring it up to the present day. Even though Mandalorian this season's not very good. Uh, we can talk about that later, though. Well, this has been enough of Rocky and Creed <laughs> for the moment. Thank you guys for doing this with me, for, for motivating me this to watch really these fun. things. I enjoyed this. You know, we Thank still need you. to have yeah. our actual sports, because of, despite the fact that, you know, I enjoyed these movies, I still don't like boxing. And I still wish boxing did not happen because I don't like people getting concussions and things. It's like football. I realize that, you know, I'm in the minority here. But it's sort of one of those things, I'm just going to say, like pornography, which I appreciate that it exists, but I'm pretty sure the conditions under which it is made are very seldom good for the people involved. And so maybe let's just watch old footage forever, you know? <laughs> Another good thing about the good Rocky movies and the Creed movies is they do a good job of showing how deeply unpleasant it is to get 
pummeled in the face <laughs> by someone who's incredibly strong. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. They do. They, they do a good job with that. You know, the fact that they were talking about his brain damage, that really should have persisted. And like, maybe have, add a scene to Creed 3 where he gets visits him you know, where he has Alzheimer's. Uh, this and is his, dark, Mark. This is dark. Was, <laughs> you want to film the right, end well, let's with end Rocky with our, drooling. we got to end with our fists in the air. He, oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. How is it that Rocky got cancer in Creed? And it wasn't like he was going blind at the beginning of the second movie, but it's cancer that's going to get him. This is dark, man. You guys have <laughs> taken this to a dark place. If you want to hear a little more darkness, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash pretty much pop and we'll get the rest of this out of our systems. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life Podcast Network, and it's also presented by openculture.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.